I am Camille Johnson, and this is Finding the Floor. Stories and reflections of midlife motherhood, family, and finding meaning in it all. Join me as I share a little piece of my life and figure out what I want to be when I grow up. Hey everyone, welcome to Finding the Floor. This is episode 86, and today I am going to talk about reverse bucket lists. What? What is that? I was intrigued by this idea because I saw this article about it, so I decided to do a little more digging, which has been kind of fun. But first, how's everyone doing? How's your week going? I have a couple like reports to give on my striving to become better and not procrastinating. So here's what I've noticed as I've been trying to do this. All of the things that I have put off that I think are going to take a really long time end up not taking that long at all. So this, it's like, you, I don't know why somehow we have this weird sense of things are going to take way longer than they do. So like, for instance, this past week, I cleaned out my pantry and like organized it. And I thought it was going to take a really, really long time, like a couple hours or like half a day. It literally took me an hour with the help of my daughter. So that is awesome. And the other thing that I've been noticing as I have not been putting stuff off is just this confidence in my capability to do the things that I've been putting off or that I say I don't want to do or that I just been doing them. Sometimes I have still been leaving my dishes at night, but I would say now I'm like, oh, let's just see, 10 minutes. Will it take less than 10 minutes? So is that helping anybody else? Are you even worried about that? But just a little report on my end. All right, so today we're going to talk about this idea of a reverse bucket list. And I came across this idea just like, it was just this article that came over. I don't know if it was just like a Google feed or something. And I just, I saved the article because I wanted to look more into it. And I thought maybe this would be a fun topic for my podcast. And so I had scheduled it out, I don't know, last month. And so this week I was like, oh yeah, this is the week. I get to look into this and what this even means and how this looks. And so to be honest, it has been fun to really dive a little bit. I wouldn't say I've dove deep. I would say I've gotten familiar with this idea. But before I go into what it means and how to do it, um, I'm going to share a story which may seem kind of like random, but I promise it does relate. <laughs> I mean, it's not totally random, but anyway. Okay. I have always loved rearranging rooms. When I was a kid, I loved 
like sitting down with my sisters and we'd like draw a picture of our room and we just see how we could move our beds and dressers and just desks, whatever is in our room. And we just kind of rearrange for the day. And I just loved the new perspective you get from rearranging your room. So I've just always loved that. So like when I got married, it was just kind of fun to, you know, like make your apartment cute and, you know, just like make it this fun place. So first of all, you know, I loved rearranging and changing things, but then just like adding the cute things. So I remember mentioning this in the episode about like what makes things cool. And I mentioned that, you know, I was so happy like making this little apartment with my husband and I. I remember we had plastic shelves and that we had just got at Ames. You guys remember Ames? I don't even know what's around anymore because we didn't have a big car and we were living within a pretty small budget and we were living in Boston at the time, which had higher rents. So, so we were just happy. And I remember getting this couch. I think I mentioned this before about it was like 20 bucks at a garage sale and just being completely happy with kind of finds leftovers from our college life and a few new things. And then just like happy and content. And then going to visit somebody who had this just totally remodeled condo. And I was like, whoa, that's super nice. And not to say that like I didn't grow up in a house, like my mom loved to make things nice as well. She had a really great eye for design and was, you know, good at, she would redo rooms or bathrooms kind of regularly. So I was sort of familiar with this, but kind of in my own little new married world, this was like, whoa, I kind of developed this like want for that. Okay. So then... I discover HGTV. Now, I didn't grow up with cable, and I don't know if it's been around for all that much, but like this was the early 2000s. And I was like, this is so fun. I loved watching all the shows. I had this favorite show that was decorating scents, and they would make over a room for $500 or less. And some of them were really cute. Some of them maybe were not. But I just loved like, oh, the the challenge of trying to make things cute within a small budget because that's where my life was at the time. And I just loved watching shows and I would just get all these ideas. And when we bought our first house, I remember just like thinking we barely had enough for paint and carpet. And I was totally fine and satisfied. And then again, I'm watching these shows and I come up with these ideas and my husband's always like, uh, he was sort of a willing participant and our time working as apartment managers, he learned to do a lot of cool things. And so he was willing to experiment. And so it was just like this, trying to keep within our budget, nothing too crazy, like going into debt to do it. But, you know, I just liked making our house cute. And then we moved into our house that we live in now. 
And at the time, we decided to like give up cable just because we were prioritizing these expenses. And so we're like, let's just give up cable. I'll be okay. I was noticing because of me watching these shows, kind of this sense of like dissatisfaction with my house. And so we ended up giving up cable for, I don't know, three or four years. And I just remember during that time, I just was happy. I mean, maybe I painted or rearranged and I still like making things cute, but I wasn't like just having this want to have the coolest thing or the newest style. I was kind of unaware. And so I was just making things what I liked, which is fine. And I was just kind of satisfied. I knew when we moved into our house that like our bathroom was kind of outdated and and I wanted to do that eventually, but I was just like fine. And what I think I noticed about my want is that many times, especially for making my house look cute, is that many times it was due to the fact that I was watching these shows. And why did I want my house to look a certain way to be like them I don't know maybe or maybe I just liked the things I still watch HGTV shows I notice now when I see myself becoming dissatisfied with something and I recognize it and kind of just let it go so here is how this goes into the reverse bucket list is being content and satisfied with your life is really what the reverse bucket list is all about. Now, the idea of, well, I don't know if this idea originated from this author. His name is Arthur Brooks. He's a social scientist. I think he he's done a lot of really great things right now. I think he's a professor at Harvard. And he wrote this article in The Atlantic And I think I got a smaller article from some other website. And then it also linked to this podcast, the Simon Sinek podcast called A Little Bit of Optimism. And he was on there. And he is a happiness, I don't know if I want to say expert, but he studies like happiness and what makes people happy. So his thought is that really... When you are content with the things that you have, then you are happy. Or if you're content with where your life is going or the things you're done, then you will be happy or satisfied is what he's saying. And what the bucket list sometimes does is it like, kind of like watching those shows for me and my house is it kind of ignites these desires which I don't think are bad or evil, that kind of creates this dissatisfaction that might be not really there. It might be this imagined dissatisfaction. Like if I hadn't watched this certain show, would I be dissatisfied with my life? Or if I hadn't, like for that 
one time where I went visit this friend in my ward and she had this really cute place and then come back to my cute little apartment. And before I had been totally fine with my plastic shelves and and now what has changed? So it's interesting he's saying sometimes we want to pursue and get all these things or um, these titles or jobs or traveling and we want to make sure that the reasons behind them he said that's really what he has done with his bucket list in sort of what he says is I reverse engineer it if that makes sense there was a lot of other YouTube videos and articles about making a reverse bucket list where you list all of the things that you have done it's almost like a list of gratitude or but you list all your accomplishments and and so you kind of are looking at your life and seeing all the things that you have done so that's one way to think of the reverse bucket list and that probably is also really great but what he's saying is you you still write your bucket list but then you kind of think about it in reverse in like why do I want to do all of these things? Is it because I want to impress people? Do I want more money so I like can buy more things? And why do I want more things? Am I doing these things because somehow if I accomplish this goal or if I get this item, somehow I will be happy? And... He says, having those desires and wants aren't necessarily evil, but he said many times they won't really bring happiness and satisfaction. So he mentions in the podcast that I listened to, the Simon Sinek, A Bit of Optimism podcast, that happy people are focused on four things, faith and their life philosophy, family life, their friendships, earning their quote-unquote idea of success and serving other people. And so what he does with his list or his bucket list is that he looks at all the things he wants to do and then he decides, really, why do I want to do these things? And are they taking me away from the four most important things that really make a happy life. And there is an aside in his article. He was visiting the National Palace Museum in Taiwan, which has the greatest collection of Chinese art in the world. And while he was there, he said, it can be so overwhelming to go there. So I paid for a guide to take me to kind of show me the most significant or some of the most important ones in the collection. So they were looking at this massive jade carving of a Buddha from the Qing dynasty. And so I'm going to read from the article what he says. It says, quote, My guide offhandedly remarked that this was a good illustration of how the Eastern view of art differs from the Western view. How so? I asked. He answered my question with a question. What do you think of when I ask you to imagine a work of art yet to be started? An empty canvas, I guess, I responded. 
Right, he said. Many Westerners tend to see art as being created from nothing. But there's another way to view it. The art already exists. And the job of the artist is simply to reveal it. He told me that his image of art yet to be started was an uncarved block of jade, like what ultimately became the Buddha in front of us. The art is not visible until the artist takes away the stone that is not part of the sculpture, but it is already there nonetheless. And he kind of then later just in that paragraph, he says, this also fits what Michelangelo once said, the sculpture is already complete within the marble block before I start my work. I just have to chisel away the superfluous material. So in that comparison, you have this jade sculpture that is really already in the piece of raw jade and just gets discovered. And Michelangelo has talked about that same principle, that that the art is already there. And he is saying sometimes we need to take stuff away to really discover and find our satisfaction. So he says again in this article, the secret to satisfaction is not to increase our haves. That will never work, or at least it will never last. That is the treadmill formula, not the satisfaction formula. The secret is to manage our wants. By managing what we want instead of what we have, we give ourselves a chance to lead more satisfied lives. So when you have your bucket list, because he's not saying like having a bucket list is bad, but he's saying that instead of looking outside of you for happiness and kind of feeling like you have to create it from scratch, like happiness is really already there inside of us. We just have to pull some things away to really find it. So I really like this quote that he said came again from that same article from The Atlantic. It says, I consider how extrinsic things compete with the intrinsic underpinnings of my happiness for time, attention, and resources. I imagine myself sacrificing my relationships for the admiration of strangers and the result down the line in my life. With this in mind, I confront the bucket list. I reflect on each item, telling myself that while a particular desire is not evil, it won't bring me the happiness and peace I seek. Finally, I go back to the list of things that will bring me real happiness. I commit to pursuing those things. Yeah, so he's like, make your bucket list and then really think about why you're pursuing this and look at at if it's helping you come closer to what really can make you happy, which is included in those four things, which I thought was really thought-provoking, this idea of four things that really make you happy are faith, family, friendships, and a work that is purposeful and you're helping to serve others. It's kind of cool. But the other thing I thought was also compelling is that in the podcast where Simon Sinek is interviewing Arthur Brooks, he mentions James Clear's book about atomic habits. You guys, that was like four weeks. Again, someone else is mentioning this book and how James Clear talks about that it's the systems we put in place that help us get to where we want to be. 
and to not just be aware of the goals that we have in mind, but what systems we're putting in place. And is that leading us to real happiness and satisfaction? And that's what Arthur Brooks is saying. It's these systems that will get us to the place where we want to be. So he mentions, as you think about your bucket list and then sort of reverse engineer it, you think about yourself, okay, if I accomplish this thing, whatever that may be, where would I be in 10 years? Would that bring me closer to all of these things? And then you bring it in five years, one year, then one month and one day. And then you look at what systems you need to put in place that you can pursue these bucket list items that are also congruent with items that are going to keep you happy and satisfied. So I don't want you to think that with this idea of a reverse bucket list that it's bad to have things that you want to accomplish or try or go places because I don't think that having a desire to accomplish a hard athletic event like running a marathon or um, like I did with my Spartan race or having this bucket list of travel you want to go to. But I do think it's helpful to really think about why you want to do those things. And if it's aligning with those four things, it's really going to be bring you some happiness. Because if you're trying to do it again to impress someone, or you think you're going to be happier if you do that, that you're almost on this treadmill and just chasing happiness instead of finding it really within you as it's sort of being carved away. Like for instance, last week I asked my girls if there was one place they would like to visit in the world. And they both had a couple ideas and but they both included Paris. Which I think is funny. One of their favorite shows lately is Miraculous, which you guys, it's really a cute show. It's on Netflix and it has like Ladybug and Cat Noir and they always save the day. And and so they're just like, I would love to go to Paris <laughs> and see Ladybug and Cat Noir. And I just think, wow, maybe we could totally make that happen. That would be kind of a fun thing to work towards. But yeah, that would be considered a bucket list item. But I'm also... Like that's something my girls would want to do and it'd be fun to go as a family and make those memories together. So like travel, I don't think, you know, any of those things that you want to do are necessarily quote unquote bad. And it's just kind of getting an understanding of why you're even putting it on your list. Because I think it can be so easy to look outside of yourselves and watch people watch shows like me and my HGTV thing and being dissatisfied and then wanting those things because I watched something or I saw someone else had it and I wanted that because they had it. Why do I really want it? So it's not like I stopped wanting my house to look nice, but what I noticed is what I had desires to like, I like we've redone our kitchen. We've added a great deck. I like that. I think it's fun. We made a great office and bathroom. But my reason behind it wasn't because I wanted to keep up with other people. And we just finished this fun project. And I think one of the things I really love about working on my house is doing it with my husband. 
because he and I just work together. He probably does more of the stuff because he knows how to do more things than I do. I'm more of the painter, stainer, putting poly on. I have refinished floors before, but it's just fun to work together and to have an idea and then watch it come to life. So I've been wanting to have more storage in my dining room and we have a hutch that only had three drawers and that was it and I would have baskets underneath it and it just wasn't functioning because all the stuff that we made or projects we did they always happened in our dining room and I had them stored in our basement but everything ended up coming upstairs and I thought maybe it'd be great if I could find something that can store all that stuff and I just had a hard time finding what I wanted and so Nate was just like what if we make it with some unfinished cabinets and we decide how you want to design it and so it was just this whole fun project that we just were almost all the way done I think we just have some crown molding at the top to finish up and the whole process we work together and I think that's what I love about doing it is the process of working together and and creating something like I haven't lost my desire to want to make a nice home but I have noticed that I've let go of that dissatisfaction and just been willing to try new things and also just been willing to let things go as well like I know I probably need to work on I have this half bath that we had a leak years and years ago the pipe is totally exposed just like behind the sink because <laughs> we had a leak and had to fix it and it hasn't been fixed because I was like oh maybe I'll want to do this or do all this and I think of all these ideas and then sometimes I'm like yeah but it's actually fine it's my favorite bathroom even though it doesn't look amazing so being satisfied Arthur Brooks had this formula that was like satisfactions equals getting what you want. And what it really means is satisfaction equals what you have divided by getting what you want. If you are constantly grateful for the things you have, then you will tend to have a more satisfied life. Does that make sense, you guys? So my family and I recently watched the movie American Underdog, which is the story about Kurt Warner, who was like this really great football player who was never drafted. And it's his story. And it's really such a good movie. We watched it with our whole family and they really loved it. So it's just recently come out, I think, on Amazon Prime. What I found really beautiful and it relates to this whole idea of being satisfied is that he at the beginning of his career or he gets drafted but then dismissed and he's playing for a stadium football team and he and his girlfriend at the time are kind of like on the outs and anyway he ends up winning this championship for the stadium football and he just is surprised at how empty it feels without his girlfriend who eventually becomes his wife to share it with and I just think that's interesting as 
we are pursuing successes and failures, how many times it it feels more meaningful because we're sharing it with the people we love and we're developing those relationships. So it goes back to those four things, which Arthur Brooks says is really the key, like happy people are focused on four things, faith, family, friendships, and meaningful work. So with um, the Kurt Warner story, he just loved football and that was like his meaningful work, but it didn't feel as great unless he could share it with his family. And I think that can be true of how we think about the things we're pursuing. Are they bringing us closer to our family and are they helping us so we can celebrate with our family as well? Okay. So that is what the reverse bucket list is. So if you're a person who makes a bucket list, I just thought this was kind of this cool idea of really thinking about what is going to bring you happiness and satisfaction in the end, and then think about all the things you want to do and the reasons why and aligning them more with things that will really make you happy, not just pursuing money and power and popularity or all those things that are sometimes easy to want because we're just all human okay you guys another week gone by thank you again for listening i really have enjoyed doing this podcast i can't believe i'm already on episode 86 like hello so awesome have a great week and i will talk to you next week Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you have any questions, come by findingtheflor.com where I will have show notes and links for anything I've mentioned today. Special thanks to Seth Johnson for creating and performing the theme music. Come back next week and thanks for listening. 